0: i've had with some people in the know that's going to be the ballpark of where simmons and his agent ask where they start the negotiation which i think they're going to so slow away Welcome into the Hot Read podcast for Monday, March the 13th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Monday evening. A couple of things here on the top, but first, I'd be remiss without welcoming in and greeting my co-host and producer, producer JT. JT, how are you on this hectic NFL free agency day?
1: I'm good. Although, you know, I'm just so confused at this point because if the start of free agency isn't technically until March 15th, like, what's the point anymore? Like, let's just move it up, you know? It's legal it's,
0: tampering it's, period, baby. It's essentially happening
1: well, already. <laughs> yes,
0: it is. And we're going to get to everything here. We are live for this special edition of the show. Of course, we couldn't do. Our regular Monday show, first thing in the morning, this morning, which we warned you about on Friday, we, we said Monday show will be on Monday at some point, weren't sure when, with the insanity of the legal tampering period opening today for uh, teams and f- potential free agent players, potential trade block players to uh, discuss, negotiate, make moves, a lot of things happening in the NFL. Again, we're going to talk about all of them, including the handful of big moves that are uh, directly titans related or titans adjacent today of which there are a handful appreciate those of you that are with us live today including diesel and bama brad 1970 who have already sent messages in the chat you can do that as well and join the conversation just go over to youtube and go to the broadway sports media youtube page you'll find this live stream there so if you're watching on twitter or on facebook we appreciate you watching but we'd love for you to come over to youtube Watch the show there, and in the comment section of that live stream, of this live stream, that is, you can interact with us, and uh, the, the comments from that comment section on the YouTube live stream are the only ones that show up for us on our end um, because of the way that, that Twitter and Facebook operate their live streams. So make sure to go over there. We want to get your input on all these moves, and if you have any questions, we're happy to answer those as well doing a little bit of vamping here as we get folks in. If you are watching live with us, if you wouldn't mind doing me two big favors. First, if you could retweet, repost, like, uh, text this live stream link to a friend or family member who you think might be interested, help us get this out to as many people as possible you amplifying it is the easiest way for us to do that little grassroots effort in spreading the show. So it would be a personal favor to me if you would do that real quick. Again, just a like, retweet, repost, do that real quick for us. And then if you could make sure to uh, be interacting in the comment section and uh, subscribed on YouTube as well as to the podcast. If you are listening to the podcast later on, uh, not the live stream of this episode, but the recording, I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way here at the top so we can talk all football for the rest of the show. If you're not subscribed, please go and do that. Subscribe to the show, the podcast that is, wherever you you get your good podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review. We will read out whatever you happen to send us as a review. If it's five stars on the show, we'll shout you out, give you a follow, whatever it may be. Appreciate you guys doing that. It's very helpful to us. And with that, JT, let's dive into the madness of the day, which, uh, you know, I'm hoping we've waited long enough in the day to do this show so that we don't have some massive thing come down the pike either in the middle of recording this at 6.30 p.m. on Monday evening or as soon as we've finished, although inevitably I'm sure we'll say something or talk about something in this show that by tomorrow morning will be outdated in some form or fashion. We're going to do our best, though, um, and and hopefully – a lot of these things, I mean, the things that are in stone here, they may be old news by the time you're hearing them, but they did happen. So we can at least talk about that and the implications of those things. We are eventually going to get to all of the major moves in the NFL today, but we've saved the non-Titans related ones for later in the show to chat about. Of course, less to say on that front and less interesting to you, our Titans-specific audience. So um, a couple of things here in the warm-up segment today. So let's get into the warm-up for today's episode, I've got three thoughts for you that I want to, to just put out there. And if you if you have thoughts or opinions on this, again, the comment section of the YouTube live stream of this show, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these things. The first of which is I thought there'd be no better place for us to start today's show than in 2019, the draft class that we've got a lot more clarity on today, a draft class for the Titans that was the single greatest accomplishment at least for my money of the John Robinson era of his tenure as the GM for the Titans, his 2019 class of seven, excuse me, six players included five at, at the very least plus starters in the NFL and a couple of stars in there as well. Only one miss in Deandre Walker, a fifth round linebacker that only put in one season as a rookie uh, or excuse me, as a second year player, all the other players, First round, Jeffrey Simmons, second round, A.J. Brown, third round, Nate Davis, fourth round, Damani Hooker, and sixth round, David Long Jr. All five of those players went on to pretty quickly in their careers become plus starters in the NFL. Players such as Jeffrey Simmons and A.J. Brown, of course, went on to be superstars, are still superstars. And we now, unfortunately, just four years later, a little bit less than four years removed from that draft, We can say with certainty that what was the greatest crowning achievement of the John Robinson era with the Tennessee Titans ultimately went to waste a bit. As we now know that of these five players that John Robinson all got on the cheap as rookies in the same class, only at most two of them, perhaps only one, will be sticking around as a Titan, getting a second contract and becoming one of those homegrown players that you need. On an NFL roster, usually, in order to be successful, um, you know the teams that that have the most success in the NFL are rarely the ones that put forth the most effort and headlines on free agency day in the spring. So that is something that you're looking to do as a team, and it's something that the Titans managed to do the first part of with flying colors. They knocked it out of the park with this draft. But unfortunately, when you before this draft make some pretty crucial team building errors such as letting Jack Conklin walk and not having a suitable replacement for him um, and then more more particularly in this instance the things that you did in the two off seasons after the 2019 draft the 2020 and 2021 draft that for John Robinson turned out to be complete and utter disasters for the most part really not hitting on but maybe one or two guys in each of those draft and even those players didn't pan out to be the guys or at least so far have not panned out to be the guys that That you may have hoped they could be those failures directly led to this draft class starting so strong and ultimately for the Titans, not the players individually who are all going to, you know, the the three players that they lost who are NFL starters are going to go and probably be successful with other teams now, but for the Titans sake. It ended up being a little bit of spilt milk that they are not going to be able to cry over now because they've got to move on with the Carthen era and, of course, Rancarthon making moves today as he has been all offseason. Clearly, he's got him and Mike Vrabel, that is. They have a, a vision for this Titans team that isn't exactly clear to us just yet, but the picture is coming more and more into focus as we go. And today, we got a couple of moves that made that image, that Vision for this team a little bit more clear. However, and we'll talk about this when we talk about those moves today. I don't think we can quite yet say. I don't think we we're even that close, JT, to being able to say what exactly the plan is for this Titans team going forward. I think that there's a lot coming down the pike for this team, and and it's going to be, um, you know, not a super patient game. They're going to be making moves. I think just from start to finish. I think they're going to be not a team that is hot and heavy early in free agency and then falls off, and not a team that only makes moves later in the free agency period. But I think because this team has so much work to do and because Rancart clearly has some ideas for significant changes for this team, it's going to be one of those things where I think the Titans are going to be putting this thing together piece by piece, meticulously and intentionally from now and really like two or three weeks ago, all the way through to June and July as they maybe look to get some veteran pieces later after the draft that they could sign to one year deals, who they sign, when, where, and why, it really is all going to be dictated by what does this team view themselves as going into 2023. And we don't quite know that yet, but that's the picture we're trying to bring into focus a little bit. The second thought that I had that I wanted to share in the warm-up here, before we get into today's moves is a thought that I had been kind of just this this weekend, talking through with some people that I know in the league or that cover the league that I trust, their opinions on these things, and just trying to figure out where I stand on this. And I feel like I've, for the most part, held this opinion throughout this process. But I wanted to get it on the record, and I thought no better day than today to put that out there because, listen, this take could be proven wrong at any moment now. So I might as well get it out there before we know the result. It's about Derrick Henry, the Titans' number one player on the team in terms of notoriety. Many times the most talented player on this team in the past couple of years. Of course, the smoke has been swirling around the Titans shopping him, being willing to trade him. The reports, the counter reports, the refuting of reports, the doubling down on sourcing of reports. It's been going on for a couple of weeks now. And my thoughts on Derrick Henry potentially being traded away by the Titans are this. JT, I would be pretty shocked if the Titans ended up trading Derrick Henry this season, and it has nothing to do with Rand Carthen or Mike Vrabel being unwilling to deal him. I think with this fantastic and deep running back class that's available to draft this spring in April, a class that we've already ranted and raved about a good bit when we were in Indianapolis for the combine, a class that I have circled on our calendar for the podcast over the next couple of weeks when we get to our Top five or top 10 list of running backs in this class. That one's going to be a really fun one because they've got a lot of options for us to pick from. That stellar class available for cheap and with a lot of tread on their tires in April, in addition to a very deep group of free agents at the running back position, in addition to now, and this is something we found out over the weekend, the Chargers running back, Star running back, Austin Eckler, now apparently requesting to be traded or requesting the ability to seek a trade. From the chargers now i don't know the latest on that necessarily but i know initially the reporting was the chargers may or may not be interested in allowing him to do that we'll see however there's some unrest there and it seems like he may be a guy that is available for trade if a team wants to go after him we've also heard from other folks around the league whispers about dalvin cook in minnesota potentially being available there are some star running backs out there that aren't even in this free agent pool of running backs that are available for trade that you can add to the list of guys with Derrick Henry as potential trade subjects at the running back position that I think just makes the entire, the entire group of running back options for other teams. If you take yourself out of a Titans fan mentality or a Titans media member mentality and think if I'm any other team in the league, can I put together a rational argument for why I would trade for Derrick Henry this year? I just can't, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I can't think of a rational reason why I would trade for Derrick Henry. Um. And, and when I say trade for Derrick Henry, I'm, I'm saying, you know, maybe as a, as another team, I'd be willing to trade a seventh round pick for Derrick Henry or a, a day three pick, but would I be willing to trade something that you would expect Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon to reasonably say, yeah, we'll accept that. We'll move, we'll move our, our star offensive player, the guy we've built this team around, the guy who defines our team, the number one without a doubt most popular player in Nashville will move him for this compensation. I just don't see the Titans and a potential trade partner being anywhere near each other in terms of compensation for a trade for Henry. So I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't envision there being a serious trade partner out there for Henry this offseason. Bama, Brad, 1970 says, I just feel bad for him having to maybe spend his last good year on a rebuilding team. It's a good point, Brad. I, I tweeted out earlier today that as of right now, and of course, this is going to change a number of times before the regular season gets around to the Titans are not going to be rolling into the new season with this offensive line. But as of right this second, I think we could project Derrick Henry JT for what? Like 879 rushing yards next season on 417 attempts. Um, something, something just ridiculous that would maybe once and for all break him as a running back and just wear all the, the tread off of those tires. But, um, yeah, that's, that's where I, I think that they're at. And I think Brad is right. That right now the the Titans are not in a position from a run blocking standpoint that is super favorable for them going forward. But we'll move on to my third and final thought of the warm-up before we get into talking about the actual moves made today. And again, please get in the YouTube chat over at Broadway sports media. We would love to talk to you about these moves that were made today, Titans or otherwise. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions on those, head over to the chat on YouTube, Broadway Sports Media. You'll find this live stream. Leave your comments there. We'd love to throw them on the screen and and talk about what your thoughts are on these things. My last thought is this, JT, and it's the thing you have to, I, I personally, my conscience, my moral compass will not allow me to have a in earnest free agent conversation about all these moves without first prefacing it by saying and I'll whisper this because it's not fun on a day like this to be the, the, the Debbie Downer, but it's, this, is, this is inarguably true. I must remind you that, quote-unquote, winning free agency, especially early in the free agency period, and making the biggest splash moves of the free agency period in the NFL is almost always a sign that you as a team are going to, at very best, be mediocre. And at worst, to be a complete and utter train wreck. It is just not a recipe for success in the NFL for the most part. And there are some outlier exceptions to this. There are some teams that have built themselves wisely and intentionally around free agents, and it's worked. But generally speaking, when you're the team that, you know, at 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 the draft, when they're putting together broadcast promo packages and they talk about it's the 2021 NFL draft and the new England Patriots are up. They're coming off of the heels of the NFL record offseason for spending in free agency, $221 million. They went out and they got two, you know, tight ends that are are star dual threat tight ends in John U. Smith and in, in um who's the guy from the chargers that they picked up the, the white guy. You know what I'm talking about? the the Patriots tight end
1: oh um
0: I, I had him in fantasy he was like my fantasy people know people year. know who I'm talking I know exactly but, that, but I'm proving my about. point here is that yeah. Johnnie Smith and the former Hunter Henry. Tight end, Hunter Henry Hunter Henry they both go to New England and become irre- irrelevant immediately they're being way way overpaid for a couple of years now you've got Johnnie Smith being dealt to the Eagles or excuse me different bird to the Falcons for a seventh round pick to go back to playing Arthur Smith's offense, which total side note, which will be very funny this season when Johnny Smith is getting more action than Kyle Pitts down there. And we just further scratch our heads as to why Arthur Smith hates Kyle Pitts. But it is not typically a great thing to have a great free agency period in free agency. It almost always ages very poorly. That doesn't mean you can't spend in free agency. That doesn't mean that spending in free agency is a bad idea. It does, however, mean that if you're a team like in this year, I think the biggest the team with the most room for this error, JT, is obviously the Bears because they come in with so much more cap space than anybody else. They've made a lot of splash moves today, some that have already been criticized. I I just don't thank you, Diesel, for the Hunter Henry reference, uh, as well as Wes Morgan helping us out there. It is it is not um, it is not usually a good idea. To, to win and spend a ton of money. And I think the Bears may be the team this year that does that, but we'll see. We'll see. It's kind of a blessing and a curse to have so much. I mean, the Titans could very well be in this position next year, JT. We hear about how, ooh, in 2024, the Titans have a ton of cap space. You know, Jeffrey Simmons deal, any free agents this year, it's going to bring that number down, but they're looking at 100 plus million in, in open cap space. It's going to be a blank slate. To me, that would scare me as a Titans fan because usually the team with a ton of cap space They have to spend that money somewhere, and if you don't have homegrown guys to do it, you got to overspend on free agents, and that's not usually a recipe for success. That being said, we've got the disclaimers out of the way. We've got my preliminary thoughts out of the way. JT, are you ready to dive into the 10,437 big free agent moves that were made today?
1: I do, and Wes Morgan said, to, to your point there, not looking for the splash moves, more curious to see the vision uh, or what kind of players they are looking for moving Absolutely, forward, Wes. including yep. the Titans' only signing of the day. Dillard doesn't provide that picture alone.
0: Yes, Wes, I agree entirely. It is about picking and choosing your spots, and for the Titans and Titans fans this offseason, we've talked about this at length, JT, the thing that makes this offseason just spectacularly exciting to cover and to pay attention to as a fan is this team is in a choose your own adventure spot right now. They they have nineteen thousand different directions they could choose to go, and which direction they choose is going to be very telling in terms of what Rand Carthon's philosophy as a GM is, what Mike Vrabel's true philosophy as a coach is. You know what what about Mike Vrabel do we find out this year? and realize oh maybe that was an element of Mike Vrabel's philosophy that was stymied or pushed down by John Robinson now we're getting to see his true colors like that that kind of thing is going to be fascinating and it's these moves they make that not only tell us whether this team's going to be good or not going forward and what their out, out outlook is for this season and and coming seasons it, it also tells us these little clues, it gives us these little tidbits on what what can we piece together in terms of a cohesive philosophy, especially for a brand new GM and Rand Carthon. Let's get into the details here, um, unless we've got another question from the chat we need to address. Um, I see that Diesel's got a question here on a move that the Bears made. Diesel, we're going to we're going to table this question. Because I definitely, I think it's a great question and it's an important one. We're going to save that for later in the show after we get through these Titans moves, if that's all right. JT, can you run us through the details on, like Wes Morgan pointed out, the one big move the Titans made today? And it came, oh, about 30 minutes before we were planning on going live today. Pushed our timeline back a little bit, but that's all right. That's how free agency works. You got to have your head on a swivel out here. The Titans seemingly may have their new left tackle. Who is that?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be former Philadelphia Eagle tackle Andre Dillard, who signs with the Titans for a three-year, $29 million contract. Now, the details of that contract, I don't believe have been reported anywhere yet. Not sure how much of that is guaranteed, but that is the first move for the Titans this offseason. And it looks like after, after all the speculation of if the Titans are going to go left tackle in the draft, what are they going to do about the left tackle? It seems like as of right now Andre Dillard will be the left tackle.
0: Yeah, so the first thing to point out and you you started to touch on this, but the thing that you need to realize again, right now 6:48 p.m. on Monday evening, we don't know the details of this contract. So it's really impossible to evaluate this contract or any contract in the NFL for that matter the day of usually unless those details come out immediately. It's usually in the 2 to 3 days after the deal is made. We get all the details slowly leaked out or put out by the team. And then we find out what the true nature of the contract is, because there are so many different ways to skin a cat in NFL uh, contractual uh, negotiations. What is put out initially, the main number, the thing that you see on the banner of the head or the headline of of the website, you know, Andre Dillard signed three years, 29 million dollars. That is the best case, almost always, is the best case number, best case scenario for that contract. If that player just meets every single, um, every single guarantee, every single metric laid out for him to reach, every single bonus and incentive, it's a number put out there initially to make the player and or, usually more importantly, the agent happy. We then find out, you know, how much is it guaranteed? What are the incentives like? What's the structure of it like? How is the cap space allocated year on year? Is there uh, there void years? Is there there significant dead money on those void void years? That's what's actually important to understanding a contract. And more importantly, JT understanding, was this a good or a bad deal made by the team? So for Dillard, the only thing we know so far is in that initial report, the amount of guaranteed money he's getting on that contract was not reported. That's usually – The third thing that's included on these initial reports, it's usually the contract total number, the number of years, and then the guaranteed money. On occasion, you get a deal like this announced without a guarantee, and that is usually a good indicator that that guarantee is low. It's something that the agent wasn't wanting put out initially, and it is uh, usually a contract that is more favorable towards that team because the guarantee is low. So if the guarantee does happen to be low for Andre Dillard for the Titans that that could be a very beneficial contract for them. I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on this signing, but I, I will say it is uh, a, a momentous occasion here because it is the first big free or really big first move period that Rand Carthen has made. I suppose um, that's not true. Big first edition that ran Carthen has made. He's he's cut some, some significant guys, but it's the first big addition of the Rand Carthen era as the GM of the Tennessee Titans. And the, the Titans seemingly have themselves a new left tackle. Now, yes, he's got some positional versatility, which I'm sure when, when Mike Vrabel and or Rancard then speak to the media about the signing, they will point out, well, we, we love that he's got some positional versatility, something we really like about him. That's the kind of thing that they love to point out and say. And that is definitely something we know Mike Vrabel is into with players. He likes guys that he can move around, usually to the frustration of many fans who wish that he would just play a player at one position uh, or at least tell fans who he's playing where. It is all part of the we-don't-want-to-tell-you-anything brand that that Mike Vrabel and the Titans have going on. It, it, It is interesting in hindsight, JT, it feels like 10 seconds ago that you and I were on this show in, I don't know, October, talking around the NFL trade deadline last season about how fans and media alike were vehemently calling for former Titans GM John Robinson to go and make a move for anybody to replace their left tackle situation with Dennis Daly who had already proven he was not it. Andre Dillard was the number one guy that people had been pointing out, hoping that John Robinson would go make that move. He ultimately did not make that move, was short shortly thereafter fired. And now Rand Carthen came in and has said better late than never. And the Titans have added the player that so many fans were publicly calling for them to add in uh, the the fall last season. So the Titans get their guy. Dillard is a former first-round pick. A lot of upside has not played much. His situation in terms of his NFL career so far is a really fascinating one because he was a first-round pick. Obviously, was expected to be a starting lineman for the Eagles. Did start. Has dealt with a couple of injuries in the NFL, but he got hurt at at one point. I believe in his second year, the Eagles had Jordan Mailata as a guy to develop behind him. When he went down and Mailata was forced into the spotlight, that's when Mylotta proved. He was had developed into the player that he is today, a really, really fantastic NFL tackle, and it's just one of those situations, kind of like with Tom Brady coming in and and usurping his predecessor uh, in New England. It's not that the player got benched necessarily, as much as it is it, unfortunate timing with an injury led to a, a backup player stepping in and proving that they deserved the starting role. They they, in other words, you hear about who you know, who won the game versus who lost the game, who won the trade versus who lost the trade. I think this is an example of Jordan Mailata won the starting position for the Eagles much more than Andre Dillard lost that starting role for the Eagles because in his experience with the Eagles, JT, you pull up their 2022 player grades because Dillard did see some playing time. It was very limited last year, but some playing time on the Eagles offensive line in 2022 You compare that to who we're assuming he may be replacing for the Titans in Dennis Daly, pretty rough divide. What are the numbers from PFF on those two guys from last season?
1: Yeah, so despite not starting last season in 2022, uh, Andre Dillard's PFF grades, he has a 67.9 overall with a 84.7 pass blocking grade and a 63.1 run blocking grade. So definitely a little better in the pass blocking uh, department than run blocking. However, if we look at what the Titans already had in Dennis Daly, uh, almost a almost a 20 to 21 point difference between the two players here. Dennis Daly had a 46.1 PFF grade with a 45.5 pass blocking grade and a 46.5 run blocking grade. So at least Dennis Daly was consistent. <laughs>
0: Uh, sure. It's your model of consistency for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I mean, anyone that's familiar with PFF knows that their player grades are on a very visually pleasing color scale. Obviously, the reds and the yellows much worse than the greens and the blues. For the overall grade for Dillard, a sixty-seven point nine, very much a green as opposed to Daly's very orange forty-six point one. Another comparison on the other side of the ball. Last year, the Titans had Nicholas petit playing that right tackle position. We're assuming he's still going to be that right tackle, but again, maybe some movement coming. We'll mention that in a moment. 504 pass blocking snaps for NPF in 2022. 504. He allowed five sacks and 35 pressures on those 500 pass blocking snaps. For Dillard on his career, he's got 444 pass blocking snaps. And he's allowed five stacks and 45 pressures. So very similar numbers to NPF uh, last season, his single season, Dillard over the span of his now three or four year career. You can take that for what you will. I think that 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 is showing that both are competent offensive tackles that you would hope continue to improve and develop and reach more of a ceiling. I see D. Good mentioning that he he hopes that they play him at the tackle position where he belongs so that he isn't ruined like Raiden's was uh, it's something that Titans fans were very mad about. D good. I, I understand that frustration. I, I agree with you. Generally speaking, I wish teams would play players in one position or at least develop players in one position so that unless they're intentionally thinking this guy's never going to be a starter, we need it to be a swing tackle or a, a transition or a rotational player. You got to get the guy developed in one position so that they can be the best at that one job. I agree. Now, my initial thought on this is um I I I want I want the, the the Titans to or Titans fans that is. I want Titans fans to take this into consideration when they think about the rest of the off season and what your outlook is for the Titans. Naturally, when this news came down the pike, we had a lot of folks talking about well how does this change our outlook for the titans their needs in this off season do they go elsewhere at the 11th overall pick now that they maybe have a left tackle um d good clarifying that's that's not what i said i said play him you yeah, know that's that's what i'm saying D good. i think you're misunderstanding me i'm agreeing they should play him in one position um, it doesn't have to be. You're saying it doesn't have to be tackle. Yes, agree. Play play him at one position. Develop players at one position if you're wanting them to be starters in the NFL. Totally agreed. Um, but but don't don't flip flop back and forth. For Dillard, it is it is a debate now and will be for the foreseeable future whether or not this means the Titans should or shouldn't go for tackle at eleven. And JT, I know it is it is interesting to me how we have spent the last two or three weeks talking about how maybe people are a little bit too too set on titans going tackle at 11 and particularly paris johnson jr to the titans go ahead and pencil it in all right d good says yes god we're on the same page now um it, it is it is a situation where <laughs> he's still talking D Good he says it drives him up a, a gd wall not happy about it uh lawson blazing hey lawson what's going on man lawson i'll throw i'll throw this one up on the screen this time you do a live show get a little sidetracked sometimes Lawson says, so so cool to see what you're doing. Do you have an idea on what the number Simmons is looking for more than the Payne deal? Great question, Lawson. Great, Lawson and I went to high school together. Great great to hear from you, Lawson. Yes, I do. And um, we can go ahead and talk about that now. So um, my prediction, and this was already going to be a sidetrack later in the show, so I'll just put, put it in there now. My prediction for Jeffrey Simmons, and I tweeted this out yesterday, I think that his deal, based on what we saw from Deron Payne, will probably be in – my exact number guess is $132 million, five-year deal, $80 million guaranteed, and I don't think that the contract gets signed until June at the earliest. That's my guess. Um, with Daron Payne resetting the defensive tackle market, which I'll explain more later when we talk about the defensive tackle market, um, it's not really reset because you actually have Aaron Donald and then the market. So when I say resetting the market, it's got an asterisk next to it, which means – Resetting the market for everyone not named Aaron Donald because, in terms of APY for defensive tackles, it's like the top five is like 20 million, 20.5, 21.5, 22, and then Aaron Donald, 33 million a year or something. Like it's just not on the same page at all. Simmons is going to come in somewhere in between Donald's outrageous number and the second highest guy, which now happens to be Deron Payne with the commanders. They pay him, I believe, a four year, $90 million deal. Which brings him in at what is that? 22.5 million a year. Is that is that quick math? Yes. So um, I, I'm guessing with what did I say? 132 million over five years. That is, I think, just shy of 26 and a half million a year. I'm guessing based on conversations that I've had with some people in the know, that's gonna be the ballpark of where Simmons and his agent ask where they start the negotiation, which I think they're gonna slow play because as more guys get signed. It's going to continue to reset the market um, and inform where, where his contract should come in. I think they're probably going to start in the 26 to $27 million a year range. Um, I think that they, the Titans may be able to bring that number down per year, just a bit by making it a five-year deal instead of a four-year deal, but we will see. Um, but that's kind of where I'm thinking if I, if that's too high, great, but I would be preparing yourself mentally as a Titans fan. you, May, if Jeffrey Simmons sticks around, which I think that he will, he may be paying him $26 or $27 million a year, which is a lot. But Jeffrey Simmons is a star, and he he demands that amount of money. So it's, I think, understandable. Now, the question that, or excuse me, the topic that I wanted to to move into here on Dillard before we move on is that there are a lot of questions surrounding how how the Titans go about putting together this offensive line. And um, I, I think that it is the correct take, in my opinion, is that, that this does, JT, change how we look at their offseason dramatically. It doesn't exclude them from taking a tackle at 11 by any means. And I, some people, I think, misunderstood my tweet to to be that. So here's what I said verbatim. I said this move for left tackle Andre Dillard likely to have a massive impact on how we view the Titans offseason going forward. Assuming the plan is for Dillard and Nicholas Petit Ferrer to bookend the offensive line as the two tackles, which I think is what the Titans are planning on doing, but there's totally a, a possibility that one or both of those guys gets moved inside because they need two new guards. Now, one of which we sh- the Titans shipped off today. They may end up going with, paris johnson jr at 11 if he's there and they think he's the best player and they want to move andre dillard inside then cool and i've had some people ask me this question and i want to clarify this jt if the titans do go tackle left tackle that is let's talk let's talk about paris johnson jr in particular because i think a lot of people misunderstand in the draft you see offensive tackle and you think oh cool you can play him at left or right that, not, not really right i mean we we, we we've learned this that The position you play in college, left or right, really matters. And some guys have that positional versatility, whether it's because of their size or their athleticism. But some guys, and maybe former Titan uh, Taylor LeJuan is the best example of this, as he recently quoted, and I loved this quote. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, I can only play left tackle. You play me right guard, left guard, right tackle, center. I'm awful. I'm terrible. I've tried. I'm trash. I'm a left tackle. It's the only thing on the NFL football field that I am good at. Some guys are just like that. And so when you draft a guy, you know, don't go make your mock draft to the Titans. Darnell Wright, at the beginning of the second round, he'll play left tackle. He's you can They could do that. And if they project that he can be that guy, sure. But a guy like Darnell Wright's really more of a right tackle. He's projecting as a right tackle in the NFL. A guy like Paris Johnson Jr., definitely projecting as a left tackle. Now, he has played both positions, so they could move him. But I think there's this misunderstanding, JT, that, well, just because the Titans went and got Andre Dillard, they don't necessarily exclude themselves from wanting another tackle in the draft. You know, maybe Andre Dillard is a short-term guy. We don't know the deals, the, 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 the contract details yet. It could be a, a pretty short-term thing. It could really be a one-year deal for $10 million. That's, you know, got some years tagged on the end of it. Like we don't know, right? Maybe they still want to tackle of the future. If that's the case, cool, fine. But I think people are thinking, okay, well, D- 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 Dillard at left tackle, and then just go get Paris Johnson Jr. If he's there at 11, put him at right tackle. That's, significantly less likely to happen than the inverse i think you're much more likely to see if the titans do go paris johnson jr or a guy they want to play at left tackle in the draft they would go junior johnson jr at left tackle and then move andre dillard who has 33 and a half inch arms a guy that some already project to be a guard in the nfl although he played tackle in college we don't he only started nine games we don't really know right we've not seen it yet from him but he's got that upside first round pick for a reason I do think it is interesting that they have the opportunity to move guys around. But I I caution you, if they were to move somebody inside, I think it's much more likely Andre Dillard. If they go with Johnson Jr., I expect him to be their left tackle. And if anything, maybe they move NPF inside to the right guard position and they move Andre Dillard over to right tackle. I just don't see them moving a rookie over to right tackle, especially when left tackle for a right-handed quarterback, at the very least. It's the blind side, right? It's It's the most important position on the offensive line for a plethora of reasons, but the blind side being the most important. I would say that Paris Johnson Jr. as a player is the guy that you want to... JT, if I said you got to pick one guy to to put your eggs in that basket to be your best offensive lineman for the next two, three, four years, is it Paris Johnson Jr. as a rookie who you're starting with developmentally from scratch? Or is it a guy like Andre Dillard, who's coming from a great program in in Philadelphia, great offensive line, obviously, I'm sure they've coached him up to the best of their abilities. I don't, I don't think there's any argument over you would want Paris Johnson jr. To be the guy that you bet on as the left tackle. So that's, that's kind of where I think um, it would, it would be right now. Andre Dillard, maybe tackle, maybe guard NPF. I still think is firmly the Titans starting right tackle until further notice, because it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for them to move him inside. Um, But the rest of that tweet, which I've gotten sidetracked on, I find this interesting. I think Skoronsky, and I I want you to chime in on this, JT. To me, Skoronsky at 11 becomes so much more appealing now than it did otherwise, because Skaronsky, for those that aren't up to date on this, the, the crash course, the best offensive lineman in terms of talent in this draft. Pretty much everybody agrees on that. However, he is one of those rare exceptions of a guy that played tackle very well in college, But what he did and put on tape didn't quite back up what he measured in as. So he's a guy where if you're a traits guy, you say, that's a guard. He measured in 32 and a fourth inch arms, way below the 34 inch benchmark for arm length for tackles, just not nearly as long an athlete as you would like him to be. And, and for all of the testing number reasons, all the things we got at the combine, people said, oh, this dude's just a great guard. He's a great guard. Um, but then you look at film, JT, and every guy that is an NFL caliber pass rusher, lineman, edge player, whatever, some of which are now in the NFL, tearing it up in the NFL, he beat all of them. He he won against all of those guys. So do you believe your eyes, the tape in college, or do you believe the traits? I think it's more interesting now to me because if they went and got Skaronsky at 11, they'd now got two guys in Andre Dillard and Peter Skaronsky who are both slightly sh- – not shorter, but slightly less uh, lengthy as athletes, as you would like them to be athletically to play left tackle, but both have experience at left tackle. And you'd imagine at least one of them could pan out at left tackle. The other would be a great guard. Um, I find that an interesting prospect now that you've got some security in that department. What are your thoughts? Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, I I just don't think Skaronsky is going to be there. It's a great, it's a great idea. I just think Peter Skaronsky is going to be, someone who goes in the top 10. I think more and more we're starting to see and him that's totally, be the one. Yes, If there's going to be a guy who's going to be there at 11, it's going to be Paris Johnson Jr. But with the type of deals that the Falcons made today, getting one of their gar- guards secured, getting Jesse Bates, getting a bunch of other pieces kind of secured – I would be, I feel like Peter Skoronsky looks more and more like he might be in Atlanta Falcon going there at the number eight mm-hmm. you got, yep. you got a couple other positions there, like the Raiders who just got their QB. So that doesn't become a concern anymore in the draft. Really. Um, it, it's a great idea. I just don't think he's going to be there, but if he is, I would totally be into that. And if they draft Skoronsky, he better be a left guard or a left tackle. Um, I, I yeah, yeah of, of course. Yeah. Um, I just think you're, you're going to have to give him the shot at left tackle because I think the tape there is just too good. But like you said, he he wowed us at the combine, and he seems like someone who'd be totally willing. He wants, he wants a shot at left tackle, but if it doesn't work out, he has no problem going back to that guard position.
0: Well, and that, I agree entirely, and that's why I went on to say that, to me, the most appealing thing for the Titans now is Skaronski, if he's there at 11, otherwise I would trade back. If you can, I've, I've al- already been a proponent of maybe we, maybe we move on, uh, excuse me, trade back and move on from the 11th pick. And I think that may be the best move for the Titans, but if they don't do one of those two things, I-, I think it's totally within play JT. And I'm curious if you agree. I think it's much more possible now that if, if they get one of those blue chip pass rushers or blue chip cornerbacks, fall to them at 11 because we've done the math right like we 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 think we know who is in this top 10 draft pick pool for this year we talked about it a lot at Indy, but that that pool of players is now like 12 or 13 guys so there's going to be at least one maybe two or three of them that end up slipping from where folks are expecting them to go and maybe tremendous value at 11 what if devin witherspoon or christian gonzalez or joey porter jr or um you know, I don't think Will Anderson's going to fall, but you could see, you could see um, your, your guy, Lucas Van Ness, Hercules, Van Ness fall. You could see like all of the uh, Tyree Wilson out, out of Texas tech, like all these guys that are blue chippers at their position, the guys that are in the pool of players in this draft that people think are the least likely to miss potential stars in the NFL. You may see one of those guys. That's not a lineman fall to the titans at 11 and you could see them go cornerback edge defensive line i think it's totally possible now do you i i think so i i
1: don't want to say i've been banging the drum since day one at as i've looked at this draft but i i have been saying that i i think the titans should very much consider moving moving back in this draft i think if your Mm -hmm. top two tackles are gone there at 11 and you think that the value is too high to draft like a broderick jones or another guy like that like an anton harrison or something like that i i'd see nothing wrong with trying to grab another second or maybe third in this draft this year to go back maybe five or six spots and then feel more comfortable grabbing one of those guys however if christian gonzalez is there at 11 I think you'd be crazy not to just take him right there. I think there's like two guys like a, yes, a, a yes. Christian Gonzalez or a Joey Porter or a Lucas Van Ness. If they're there, I, I would I think you'd be I would I would add, add Jalen
0: Carter, that count a guy that we would True. not expect yes. to be there at 11. But depending could on happen. what happens to him legally, um, you know, you could you could see it. People could really sour on him. And then just from a talent perspective, it'd be impossible for them to pass on him there. We'll, we'll move on here in just a moment real quick to let you know, Diesel. And Lawson, got y'all, both of your questions starred here. We're going to get to them, I promise, talking about uh, interior defensive linemen and the move for the the Bears today at middle linebacker. Uh, we just we haven't gotten to that yet, but they're great questions. We will get to them, so stick around, keep watching, and we'd love to chat with you about that. Again, if you are watching live, thanks so much. Super appreciative of everybody watching the show live. Send it to a friend, retweet, like, um, repost. Help us get this out to as many people as possible right now so we can all get in here and chat about free agency on day one here and make sure that you are uh, commenting over there on the youtube section uh, of the uh, the youtube live stream comment section on broadway sports media's youtube page you will find this stream jt the second big move from the titans today also came on the offensive line can you run down the details on the nate davis signing from the bears
1: yeah, so the the Bears are signing Nate Davis to a three year, thirty million dollar contract in which nineteen point two five of that thirty million dollars is guaranteed money. Uh, the contract is gets the Titans into the comp the compensatory picks next year in the twenty twenty four, in which they'll be receiving a fifth rounder for Nate Davis going to Chicago. But once again, it was a guy that um, that we talked about. We wanted to see him back. Jim Wyatt was saying, Hold your horses on that. I don't know Mm -hmm. if he's someone that the Titans exactly want back. And he heads off to Chicago.
0: Yes, he does. He heads to Chicago. Uh, The deal is reportedly, what, three years, 30 million? Is that correct? Yes, three years, 30 million. We do know that the guarantee on that one is almost two thirds of that at 19.25 million. And the thing about Nate Davis from my perspective and i, I do think you know, like you said this is a position that we were the entire offseason i feel like it's been well on paper in a in a vacuum rather it seems like they may let him go it seems like they've soured on him but then you look at the grand scheme of things on paper for the titans on the offensive line and you say who oh, they may not have the luxury of being able to let him go they may have to pay him even if they don't want to because they can't they can't just redo the whole line and the 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 titans said oh yes we can And so Nate Davis, they let walk. Clearly, they soured on him. They lost faith in him. The Titans did this past season. The recurring theme here, JT, with all these players, the guys we haven't even mentioned yet for the Titans, is durability is king for this team. Availability is the number one ability in the eyes of Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel, at least right now. And I think that it is maybe, maybe a slight overreaction from the organization, but an absolutely understandable and warranted one simply because they are fed up with how much they've dealt with the, the triage, the injury madness that they've gone through the last two seasons and going through 80 or 90 players in a season. They they're just sick and tired of it. And we could tell covering the team, the media pool it was a recurring theme for us. Whenever we'd meet with Vrabel late in the year, he had gotten sick and tired of it. And with Nate Davis, that's no exception. He's a guy that has missed eight games over the last two years. Um, The Bears, to their credit, I mean, they're getting a guy that is a totally serviceable NFL lineman, definitely a starter as a guard, um, very good run blocker, very good. So, you know, the very, very run heavy, or maybe it's it's less the presence of the run and more the absence of the pass, I suppose, in Chicago, but very run heavy offense for Chicago. He's going to work great there. He's going to make Justin Fields look awesome running for 122 yards in two or three games. But. He's average at best. Well, maybe not at best, but typically he's average to above average at best as a pass blocker, something that um, the Titans definitely are, I think, circling as a thing they need in some of the guys they bring in. For example, Andre uh, Dillard is a guy who is a much better, at least historically, pass blocker than he is a run blocker. It's not a bad run blocker, but the Titans need some good pass blockers to keep Tannehill or Willis or Dobbs or the rookie or whoever is playing quarterback upright. This is a situation where I think it was the right time now, even though they're having to rebuild this line almost entirely. It's the right time to rip off the bandaid, get the old guard out, start fresh, build this lineup young and new from the ground. And I think the number that he's being paid in Chicago it's not an outlandish, num- outlandish number. It's a number that if the Titans had signed him to that deal, I don't think any fan would have really been frustrated about or batted their eyes at. But I'm curious, those of you watching live, if you have thoughts on Nate Davis, whether you think he should have come or gone, uh, let us know in the chat. We did ask uh, in a poll on Broadway Sports Media today, would you have paid Nate Davis $10 million a year to stay with the Titans? Um, the results came in 65.5% of you said, no, that it was the the right call. It was a good call to let him walk 34.5% in the minority saying, yes, Rand should have paid that amount. I, I think that, um, it is one of those toss up things to me, JT. I, I don't think it was necessarily, he, I'll say this, my, my, my thoughts on this move coming into it, knowing that they'd either be signing him or letting him walk were that, I wasn't going to be upset or excited about either move unless he was signed to an outlandish contract by somebody that you knew the Titans shouldn't have met. That wasn't the case. And so I think that it is a coin flip situation. And because it was a coin flip to keep him or leave him, I think that they made the right call to just decide, let's just start fresh, right? We ran Carthen can get his guy in there so that now we can, you know, we can start with young guys and fans should be, I think maybe a little bit relieved on that front because now you've got only one guy, maybe two on the offensive line for the Titans that isn't a Rankarthen guy. They're going to have at least three guys that are Rankarthen guys on this line. And so while we may see, and I think this is becoming more and more of a possibility, JT, I keep talking about how the Titans outside of MPF, they got four spots to fill. Eh, I could, quietly, I think they have three spots to fill. And I think everyone's favorite, small yet very tough. uh, slab of steak tough as a $2 steak uh, offensive lineman, tiny but mighty Aaron Brewer will be moved from where he started last season at left guard and looked quite poor across from Dennis Daly. Those two were a nightmare combination on that side of the ball. The Titans as an organization, the coaching staff, many of which are still around have said for years, we like this guy. We think he could be the future of the center position for the Titans and I think that that might be where they go. Um, I, I think the coaches have faith in him. And I, if anything else, it's a result of maybe three offensive linemen is the ceiling of guys you can replace in one offseason and find success. Maybe they say we need one. He, he's a vet, more of a veteran guy. He'd be the veteran guy in the locker room, um, you, you would think. So I, I get that one. Um, so I think it may be you maybe have Dillard at left guard or tackle. And then you've got Aaron Brewer at center, and you've got MPF at right tackle, and you need to fill in one additional tackle and or one additional guard. So with that being said, um, I, I do think that that Nicholas Petitfriere, Nate Davis, Aaron Brewer are going to be starters. Not, not Nate Davis. Andre Carter will be starters. What do the Titans do now? They need two more linemen at the very least. There are still a number of free agent options out there but significantly fewer than we started the day out with because we got a a couple of those guys signed who we'll talk about in a minute um d good comments how many games excuse me with how many games he has missed in his four years it was going to be tough to keep him talking of course about former titan nate davis d good agreed d good does go on to say that he doesn't want a two dollar steak he wants a prime rib yes so should you all so should everybody d good but Sometimes you gotta you gotta budget. Think about the Titans' offensive line construction this year as one of those PFF graphics where it's a it's the like five by five grid with one dollar through five dollar options, and it's like you got fifteen dollars. Build your best blank. The Titans might have to spend two of those fifteen dollars at the center position if they want good players at the rest of the positions. You can't have it all. There's not infinite money to spend. So be Good, I'm afraid you may end up with your two dollar stake in order to get. Some more prime rib e guys on either side of him. The next guy that we need to talk about is David Long Jr., who is yet another guy from that fantastic 2019 draft class that is now walking away from the Titans after his rookie contract. JT, can you walk us through the details of David Long's movement today?
1: Yeah, so David Long Jr. is headed to the Miami Dolphins on a two-year, $11 million contract, the guaranteed money and some other kind of details of that contract are still not out but it kind of left right. a couple of people on twitter surprised that the titans wouldn't be in on a deal kind of like that what are your thoughts
0: this guy on twitter surprised i i this is the trying to make sure i've got all my bases covered i'm not forgetting anything yeah i think this is the most surprising move of the Carthon era so far to me not because i'm surprised they let david long go he was always a guy that was a coin flip in my mind in free agency, but more that they let him go for that number, five and a half million a year on a two year contract. Again, we don't know the guarantees yet. We don't know the incentives or the structure, but just on the surface, even if it is a fully guaranteed two year, $11 million contract, I just don't understand that one. And for those of you watching live, if nothing else in this show intrigues you enough to comment, let this be the thing. I wanna hear your opinions on whether or not David Long Should or should not have been retained for that amount of money, because I certainly think that he he should have. If you disagree, especially lay out your argument real, real quick in the chat. He is a top five player at his position in the NFL when he is healthy. You know, that's a big qualifier at the end. And I know a lot of people point to that and say, well, they're right there. There's your reason why I, I get that. And so I agree. The only way to explain or to rationalize the move away from David Long at that price point is that they just really are not jazzed. The Titans, that is. They're not jazzed by his availability concerns. He's had a number of, uh, he's been a repeat offender in the same season a couple of times now with soft tissue injuries in particular, a hamstring that just would not stay healthy among other things. And so he's one of those guys that was frustrating to evaluate from a team building standpoint because, wow, if you had healthy David Long all the time, he's a top five inside linebacker, and I I will die on that hill. You look at the numbers; they bear it out. There are not five inside linebackers in the entire league that you would take ahead of David Long Jr. There just aren't. He's not healthy all the time, though, and that's what made his number go down. I think an interesting point was made by our our guy Zach Lyons over at Football and Other F Words, among other things. He tweeted his his thoughts on this move, and he said, "I'll read it verbatim." He said, if you're surprised David Long is no longer with the Titans because of the money spent by another team, keep this in mind. That was the height of his market. If his agent thought that any team, any other team would pay more money, they would have signed him. The NFL thinks just as lowly and as poorly about Long uh, and his availability as the Titans do. Mainly due to that durability issue, the term used at the forefront whenever Vrabel was asked about him, the writing's been on the wall. Yes, agreed. Zach, totally on the same page. I, I think that we do we 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 are enlightened here though, JT, as to just how poorly the Titans and the rest of the league view David Long as an overall prospect. That availability being the most important ability metric is one that is tearing him down and keeping him from getting more money because he absolutely would have been paid. I mean, maybe even double this if he, if he was healthy all the time, that's what his level of ability dictates. So I just, I was surprised by that JT. Were you surprised that they ended up not retaining him?
1: I I was in, in, I'm surprised that they weren't at least maybe a little bit more involved for that, that price point two years, 11 million with really no, uh details on the guarantee really just tells me that the Titans really didn't have anything to do with David Long anymore. I think it's, like you just said, I think good luck with with your injuries and see if you can be healthy. Bet on yourself, you know, to go out there for that two years with the Dolphins and keep producing at that level. But I I I, I was surprised and then I came around and kind of see why... They didn't pursue David Long as an option, but it does leave another hole that they will need to fill.
0: Yes, it does, and maybe it's your guy, Jack Jack Gibb or not Jack Gibbons. Jack Campbell. Uh, Jack I would. I would Campbell be, out I, of I Iowa. Buy, I would
1: buy a Jack Campbell jersey
0: that night. I I would make you wear a Jack Campbell jersey on the show uh, if they went and got Jack Campbell. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the three main things that went down today for the Titans in free agency. David Long headed to Miami. Nate Davis to Chicago and the titans get a new offensive lineman potentially their new offensive tackle left tackle that is andre dillard out of philadelphia we've got a number of more topics to cover so stick around especially those of you that have asked questions they've been great if you've got questions thoughts comments please go over to Broadway sports media's youtube page and pull those up um and you can ask great questions like lawson who we're going to get to his question question here in just one second we still got to talk about the Jeffrey Simmons situation in more depth. Address Lawson's question in some detail. Talk about the running back market a little bit. Talk about Aaron Rodgers and uh, all of that drama. And then we're going to cover briefly all the other notable free agent moves today. So stick around for that. Um, but I I left out one thing on the the main front today that that needs to be mentioned and we need to keep track of JT it's the compensatory pick situation for the Titans now this is something that is for next year not something that will affect them this offseason or in this draft but of course when you have players come in and out in free agency compensatory picks are assigned and um, that is something that based on the formula we don't know for sure what the number is and you also it's a cumulative thing so you have to wait till the free agency period is over and you weigh all of the signings and the players that were signed away from a team against each other. You you find out what they're owed in terms of quality starters added and lost. In adding Andre Dillard, the Titans gave a fifth round compensatory pick so far to the Eagles, which cancels out the fifth round pick that they would have gotten in return for losing Nate Davis. In losing David Long, I've not seen yet what the preliminary algorithm for compensatory picks has spit out in terms of guys or in terms of picks you'd get for him. I'm assuming it's also going to be a fifth or a sixth, which means the Titans so far net are up maybe one late round compensatory pick, but we will keep up with that as they continue to add and lose players. All right, JT, let's dive into the Jeffrey Simmons situation and I'll address the question that Lawson asked. Hopefully he's still in here. Uh, so that he can hear my answer to this, because I do have some thoughts on this, and I find it really fascinating. So with Jeffrey Simmons, we we got some more of these, not not necessarily benchmarks for his contract, but but additional details on the roadmap to signing Jeffrey Simmons. Deron Payne was the first domino to fall in this regard, and he was re-signed by the Washington Commanders Um, He had been franchise tagged. We were kind of making fun of them for franchise tagging him, but it sounds like they did that knowing they were going to try to get a long-term deal done. He gets done for four years, $90 million with a $28 million signing bonus, 45 million guaranteed and 60 million in total guarantees. So that is a uh, four year, $90 million contract that comes out to 22.5 million per year. And then the 49ers signed away from the Eagles today. One of a number of free agents that the Eagles lost. They are, Uh, For a team coming off of a Super Bowl win and for such a solid roster, they've got some real turnover. So who knows what they're going to look like next year. I think they may, if anything, take a a slight step back, which is understandable because it'd be hard to get a much better roster than they had last year. Javon Hargrave leaves the Eagles, is signed by San Francisco to bolster their already gross and disgusting defensive front. Um, They don't need him, but they got him, and that is an awesome signing kind of a luxury signing for a team that has a, a great, I mean, we've talked all year about it. It's Eagles and Niners, best rosters. Uh, the Eagles just lost a guy. The Niners added a guy. Four years, $84 million for Hargrave, who is a bit older, is more of a veteran, is not at the, the height of play. Neither of these guys are as good as Jeffrey Simmons right now. So the question is asked by Lawson. If you could throw that back on the screen real quick, JT. He asks, uh, I believe the question was, there we go. Is Is paying that much? for an interior defensive lineman worth it it's a great question and um like i said when we pull up that top defensive lineman salary page it continues to change but there are some guys in the stratosphere in the nfl at the defensive lineman position of what jeffrey simmons is being expected to pay be paid i pull that list up um yes here we go so the the highest paid guy Like I said, by a country mile is Aaron Donald with a thirty one point six six repeating annual thirty six point six million dollar annual average salary followed by miles. Well, so this is defensive line in total. Miles Garrett as an outside player at twenty five million. Max Crosby as an outside player at twenty three million. The next highest paid interior defensive tackle is Deron Payne. Now, twenty two point five million dollars a year, followed by DeForest Buckner in Indianapolis at twenty one million a year and now Javon Hargrave 21 million a year in San Fram. Like I said, I expect Simmons to come in around the 25 to 27 28 million dollar range when it's all said and done. Aaron Donald is not the comp. He's a very good player, Jeffrey Simmons. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not one of the greatest ever to do it yet at least. We don't we don't know, but right now he's not worth that. The question is is he worth 25 million? And I think that absolutely he is worth 25 to 27 million dollars. For this team, he is one of those guys that is that probably an overpay when it's all said and done. The odds are it's probably a slight overpay. Is it a gross overpay? I don't think so. Is it is it an overpay that will look bad by the end of his contract? Will, will he still be the number one paid guy at the end of his contract? No, I think that he's going to set the market and it's going to look like a good contract in three, four five years. So in the end, in terms of the position, generally speaking, to answer Lawson's question that's too much to spend for a defensive tackle for the most part. But there are two, three, four, five guys in the league at any given point that are worth an exception to that rule. And I think Jeffrey Simmons is near, if not the very top of that list of guys. So I absolutely think that that amount of money is worth it. And like I said earlier, I, I don't think that that deal is going to be done anytime soon. I get the impression that Jeffrey and his agent are wanting to slow play things with this contract negotiation. The next topic is the running back trade market, which I want your opinion on this JT, because I find this one of the most fascinating league wide topics in this free agency period. The, the options, if you're a team that needs a running back, this off season are so plentiful. I mean, it is really ridiculous how many options you have. And I think because of how many options and how many affordable options that are out there, I think it's going to really dampen the the very top end of the market for these running backs, unfortunately for them, I just don't think you're gonna see guys getting these 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 million dollar average per year deals at the running back position because there are so many of them. And because if you need like, if you're a team that needs a high end, like if you're looking for a luxury pick and you're like, ooh, Austin Eckler could really round out our offense. Derrick Henry could really round out our offense. A team like the Bills, for example. I don't understand how you'd be looking at a guy like Eckler or Henry who are going to be needed to be traded for and also paid north of $10 million a year when you've got guys in this draft class like Jameer Gibbs um, that that are all available right there at the top of the draft for you. That could be an immediate impact for you and be pennies on the dollar as compared to how much you are paying these these veteran running backs there's just so many options i don't see that as a viable thing for a team to do what are your thoughts jt and and give me those thoughts while i quickly plug in my computer before it dies
1: <laughs> i i agree with you here and, and just like from a Titans specific standpoint as s rob kind of points out here they just need to embrace the tank no reason to keep Tannehill or derrick henry like that's all well and good but what what's the point in getting rid of Derrick Henry if he's only going to get back maybe um a 6th 7th round pick like i think titans fans would rather have derrick henry around because he he is a top 3 running back in in the nfl but just because of how lucrative this running back market is and how you can get 6 or 7 rookie running backs in the draft this season on rookie deals, I I think he's not going to get back that much. So there's really not a great suitor out there for a Derrick Henry or an Austin Eckler because there's guys who are younger and cheaper out there who are coming into the league that can serve not as great as a Derrick Henry or an Austin Eckler, but are still going to provide value to your team.
0: Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I think that's right. Um, so, so w- with that, we can move on as I know we're running a little bit long on time here, and we've got a lot of little contracts out- around the league to give grades to. Sabie, uh Sabi Farrell asks, uh, can you guys see the names of viewers when they first join? No, we cannot, but we can see the names of viewers who leave comments. So perfect example for me to once again mention. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions on all of these things we're talking about. Go over to probably Sports Media on YouTube and find this live stream and we can interact in the comment section there like sabi did the last guy in name that we need to talk about at length before we get out of here jt is aaron Rodgers. um i find this to be funny Uh, i the the media and fans they all the consensus is definitely people are fed up with aaron Rodgers and the way that he handles himself especially in the off season I don't care, man. Like, I, I think that the the Packers, Packers fans, Packers media, Packers front office, they're allowed to be pissy about it and be annoyed and be over it. They've had to deal with it. Everybody else, he's he's he creates drama for you. So no media member should be upset about that. They should not be rolling their eyes at Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's making your life easy because he's an easy topic every day of the year in the offseason for, like, two or three years in a row now. Like, he's made your life very easy. And if you're tired about it, stop talking about it. But you won't stop because it makes you money, so get over it. Um, He's he still apparently not made his mind up, even though he said it would be soon. We got some tweets today that were kind of going back and forth on Rodgers. Insider Trey Wingo tweeted out this afternoon uh, near 2 o'clock saying that he had heard Rodgers to the Jets was done. History is about to repeat itself in New York and Green Bay. Time is indeed a flat circle. But then Ian Rappaport on air live very quickly refuted that saying that he had not seen or heard anything that that Rodgers to the Jets was not imminent um I do think that now that it seems like and people all the insiders today have been slowly conceding seems like things are headed in that direction all the preliminary um sourcing that I have indicates that that's the way that things are moving but it's going so like it's all been very political speak in the sense that it's probably going to happen but we don't know for sure yet if it is indeed the case that Rogers is headed to New York, then I think you can cross Ryan Tannehill being traded off of the potential options list. I think that it is something that could still happen, but is significantly less likely to happen because the Jets' quarterback wish list has come down to essentially two guys, and they've lost the two guys that were in front of Tannehill in terms of priority. Um, it's pretty much just Rogers or bust now, and if they bust and not and not end up do not end up getting Rodgers. Tannehill is really the only guy Derek Carr not available anymore Jimmy Garoppolo not available anymore Tannehill's got to be the next best option for them if they're trying to contend and he'd be a good option for them no doubt but uh, I do think that uh, Rodgers is going to go to New York and it's not going to be an option for them to with the Titans that is to send Tannehill away and get significant draft compensation back um we do have the rest of the notable free agent deals to talk through. So, JT, maybe we just go rapid fire style. I know we're already an hour 15 into this one. Uh, I do want to touch on some of these, and I do have some thoughts on some of these. So let's just go one by one. You can, you can toss me the pitch, and I'll give you my brief thoughts on each.
1: Yeah, let's start about it with a guy here who was – Kind of connected to the Titans a little bit, and Mike McGlinchey he ends up going to Denver today on a five-year, eighty-seven point five million dollar contract. Fifty million of that is guaranteed. It's a lot to pay for for a guard it's, who is widely a, considered an expensive guard okay, you got there, in but not great. Yeah, I it's yeah he had the he had the best expensive. season of his
0: career last year. Yeah, very expensive, best season of his career last year in atlanta and denver now i think they've in free agency they've gotten a couple of offensive linemen now for big tickets so while that is a ridiculous amount of money to spend on a a guard he's now the most expensive guard in the league i believe it is a guy that is a bona fide starter and a bona fide star if he can play like he did last year going forward um i think that is a is a significant overpay but may end up being one of those overpays that is worth it if that makes any sense i don't know did you're the resident falcons fan of sorts what are your thoughts on uh on mcglinchey headed to denver
1: i mean he's he's all right he's not great um okay. coming enough. from San fran you know he he was he had his best or do i keep saying atlanta
0: i mean yeah San you're not sam fran yeah, yeah, yeah. um atlanta but had a very different uh tackle available my bad
1: yes um, but he, he was fine last year. He was, I don't think he's worth $87.5 million a year. Um, and if the Titans ended up paying that, I think there would be outrage in the streets right now for paying such a hefty price for him. Ye- yes, um, but yes. I mean, Denver needs help on that offensive line and trying to rebuild around Russell Wilson and give him a fighting chance. I think you kind of have to overpay for that. All right. Next move. Let's move on to Cincinnati who gained some pieces retained some pieces rather and lost a mm-hmm. couple of big pieces and today. Pieces. Yep. They retained linebacker Jermaine Pratt re-signing for a 3-year $21 million deal in which this year he's only going to be making 10.5 Million, so he's going to be front loading that contract, and then years two and three, the rest of the $15.5 million is split between years two and three. But the big thing on the day for the Cincinnati Bengals is their safety group was kind of just picked away by the rest of the NFL. These Cincinnati was. Bengals, Von Bell is moving on to the Carolina Panthers for. Not sure what the deal is yet. They really hasn't been reported. Haven't seen it anywhere. And then the big one of the day, Jesse Bates III to the Atlanta Falcons on a four-year, $64 million deal. $23 million of that is in the first year. So it's among the top five highest paid safeties in the NFL. And he's paying half of it in year one. So kind of a, let's pay you all this in year one, hope you produce. And then it's kind of a bargain down the road as we look to maybe compete in the next two or three years.
0: Yeah, I think that and we can go ahead and get all three of these Cincinnati moves out of the way while we're talking about it. But Cincinnati, definitely, like you said, they've got a big need at safety now. Uh, I, I do think that this is a, a reasonable amount of money for a guy like Jermaine Pratt. Um, so they, they retain him but lose a couple of other guys. Who did they lose? Uh,
1: just those two, Cincinnati,
0: the Jesse Bateson and
1: uh, Von Bell.
0: I know, but let's talk about them. Can you? Do you have the, oh, the deals so, on those guys? Yeah. Uh, so Von <laughs> yeah, 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 Bell. Was a was I, I a said, was I a said, transitional question, not an earnest oh, question. I, I yeah. said
1: Von Von Bell. The deals weren't out, but then, like I said, Jesse Bates, four years, sixty-four million.
0: Did you just say? Did you say all three just now? I, I and did. I wasn't I paying did? Attention. Yeah, you were not paying that's attention. A, that's on me. That's, that's I, great, I was I was distracted. I was distracted making sure. To be fair, I was making sure there weren't any major deals that came down the pipeline while we've been talking in the last fifty minutes. It doesn't seem like that's the case, but like you mentioned, and I failed to listen to my own show, like a moron um, uh, Jermaine Pratt. I like that. They kept him. I like the amount of money for, for which they kept them. Von Bell, not really anything I can say on it until we see the details of that contract. They've not come out yet, but Carolina seems to be bolstering their, their fresh team with some young talent. He could be a, a cornerstone of that defense. And then Jesse Bates 64 million over four years is a lot of money for a guy that is a good player don't get me wrong very good player um but i don't know you're the cincinnati fan so you tell me if you agree i think cincinnati absolutely made the right choice not paying him that amount of money i i think so and even though like
1: the the safety cupboard seems bare for the cincinnati Bengals, i don't think that's exactly the case i think This was a move they were preparing for in drafting Dax Hill out of Michigan last year to learn and kind of grow under Jesse Bates to be the next safety. They have a guy in Cam Taylor Britt who was really good down the stretch in the playoffs this past season. I think they're going to be just fine. And I I don't think paying Jesse Bates the third, who had a bounce-back year but not what he has been in years past... Signing him the sixty-four million dollars over four years—it's it's a steep price for the Falcons to pay, but they're hoping that it kind of pays off in the later years that he continues to be a top five, top ten starting caliber safety, and they don't have to pay him as much.
0: Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to the next signing.
1: Yeah. So the next one, and this we'll get to finally this question all the way down here from Diesel talking about how the Bears put so much money today into a bunch of guys but no guy bigger than Buffalo's Tremaine Edmonds who signs with Chicago on a four-year 72 million dollar deal 65 of million of that is guaranteed it's the largest four-year contract for an NFL interior linebacker in NFL history what are your thoughts on this kind of suspicious deal i don't even know how to put it it's just it boggles me why they would do this
0: yeah i honestly my reaction to this move was i'm not sold that the bears gm ryan poles knows exactly what he's doing as a gm i'm I'm not saying that he's a bad gm but i'm saying i for sure don't know if he's a good gm um this move in particular is is strange and frustrating as an outside observer because if, if you're old enough to remember this, and I'd imagine everyone listening is, the Bears traded away a better linebacker at the trade deadline last year for – for okay, let's lay this out. Let me lay out all, all the pieces. So the Bears trade away Roquan Smith, okay? Then they pay two, top dollar this, this offseason, t- today and this, the past couple of weeks. They pay top dollar for two guys that are good linebackers in uh, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. But they're, I think, both worse than, than Roquan Smith. So I just don't – if you trade away a guy like Roquan Smith because you're a team that just can't afford to put that much money into a non-vital position, cool. Get it. Understand but then 10 seconds later to turn around and say okay now let's spend significant money on two guys at that same position Th- now it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense now to me it's, it's the lo- largest four year contract for an NFL inside linebacker it, it is just so goofy um in my opinion and i i just i don't i don't see it so i think the the bills for their part with Tremaine Edmonds, they they should be kind of their lucky stars that the bills organization did not one up that contract because That is a ridiculous amount of money to spend.
1: Moving on, let's talk about a couple of the quarterbacks who were signed today, starting with Jimmy G, who is finally headed out of San Fran to Las Vegas, signing a three-year, $72 million deal. $34 million of that is guaranteed. A couple other small deals here Carolina Sam Darnold is off to San Francisco to join Brock Purdy and Trey Lance on a 1-year deal and then Mike White heads to back up Tua in Miami on a 2-year 16 million dollar deal. What do you think about those?
0: So, it is funny the Sam Darnold to San Francisco move. Um I tweeted out a couple of months ago talking about the the quarterback situation in San Francisco. Will it, you know, after this season be Brock Purdy? Will they go back to um lance and and you know continue to invest in him and give him another try once he's healthy and i got into a a fight with a number of people i basically in the tweet said that they're not going to to give up on lance this this easily this early for brock Purdy, who was impressive but i think very much a product of the environment he was a part of right I guess we were all wrong. And so I guess we all look dumb now because it was neither. It was always it's Sam Darnold and it was always Sam Darnold, man. He's the, he's the future for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, No, I think that this is just a nice depth signing for a team that seems to go through more quarterbacks than anybody else in the league. Um, They lose Garoppolo. They've got two guys that are both big question marks in terms of their health right now, both not ready to play right now, both. Potentially not even ready to play at the beginning of the year. We don't know. One almost certainly not going to be ready to play. Brock Purdy. So they needed some more bodies in there just in case. Like they need some guys and Sam Darnold for one year. Sure, why not? um Mike White. Everybody loves Mike White. I'm guessing the Jets are going to be bummed. Jets fans that is bummed that they lose their cult classic guy. He was kind of the only thing about the Jets that was exciting in the last two years, uh, besides of course, elite quarterback Joe Flacco. But We got a lot of Mike white and he showed us a lot. Uh, He, he put together in, in each of the last two seasons, at least one game where he looked like one of the best passion passes in the NFL, putting up some crazy stats and making some crazy passes as a backup in Miami, who, you know, a team that has Tua, they're hoping he's going to be healthy going forward, but we don't know if he's a guy that can stay healthy like Jimmy G for a whole season. Having a viable backup in Mike White is a very good idea, and so I think that that's definitely a well well um, allocated money. Some people I saw reacting to that being like, "Oh boy, nine million a year for two, eighteen million dollars to Mike White like that." Absolutely, it's worth every penny. It's worth every penny, especially on a team where you've got a, a injury concerning quarterback like Tua. You have to, the backup quarterback position, according to some very famous coaches and NFL personalities, is the most underrated position on a football team. Uh, Bill Belichick is chief among them who thinks that people overlook that position more than any other. And I think Bill Belichick has even argued that it's like, besides starting quarterback, it's like the second or third most important position on a team to him. In terms of team building, because if you lose your starting quarterback and you don't have a guy as a backup that is viable, you could have the best team in the world and it won't matter, as demonstrated in the NFC Championship game, for example, by the 49ers. If you don't have a guy who can pass the ball, it doesn't matter who else you have on the team. So I think that's a perfectly good signing. And uh, we got two more to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk I, about. I, did you already mention Jimmy G? And I just forgot. I did. To yes. Okay, so I, I, I'm I'm doing him in reverse order here and just realized. So Jimmy G is the biggest one. I buried the lead here. Um, In hindsight, I kind of think it should have been our expectation, knowing the way that the Patriots loved him when they drafted him, the way that they were wanting to move off of Tom Brady earlier than they did and move on to Jimmy G, and then ultimately didn't. They traded him away to San Francisco. But we know those Patriots guys loved him. And I don't know if you know who's coaching the Raiders right now, but he's a former Patriots guy who is very finicky about his offense, very stuck in his ways sometimes. Um, and he wants a guy that, I mean, there's a reason that they horribly bungled the situation with Derek Carr. It's because they really can't operate that offense that he wants to operate without having a guy that is very specific to that offense and, frankly, is uniquely mediocre enough <laughs> to run that offense, I think, or at least in their play style, uniquely um, maybe outdated is the right word like it's not the kind of offense where you can have a super modern NFL quarterback at least in my opinion maybe you disagree JT but like a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who's more of a pocket passer um, you know that offense doesn't require a guy that can throw super deep or throw across the middle a ton they need a, a game manager and that's what Jimmy G can be so if he can stay healthy I think he's well worth that money and I think if they put together a couple of They pull together some loose ends on that team. They could win a lot of games with Jimmy G and just have a lower ceiling than most.
1: I think so. I think it's not much of a, it's not a vertical move. It's a horizontal move for them for sure. Not, not getting a lot more out of Jimmy G than Derek Carr. I think they just needed stability instead of trying to reset because they're giving a lot of guys, a lot of money who are really good and they think they can win. So I think it's a good move for stability. Moving on to our final two two here. Let's talk about Indianapolis Colts linebacker, Bobby Okurike going to the New York giants. Those contract details have not come out yet. And then Philadelphia loses one once again, another player, Marcus Epps safety from the Eagles is going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Easton, what are your thoughts on those two guys?
0: Uh, these are probably the two smallest guys we're talking about here. This is where we cut off the relevant versus irrelevant signings. And so with the in-division rival for the Titans, that is, the the Indianapolis Colts, losing a key starting piece on the defensive side of the ball, Okarike or o- Okarike. I've heard it said both ways, and I've never known how to say it, but I won't have to say it much more anymore because he's not in the AFC South. He goes to the Giants. The Giants love, they love spending probably too much money on retread defensive players from the AFC South. They're done with Titans players. They're now doing it with Colts players. Um, It's a fine signing. He's a good player. And then Marcus Epps, yet another guy from Philadelphia. Really, the only reason we mentioned it is because Philadelphia is losing a lot of players, man. They're losing a lot of players, and they are a team that is now in need of some folks at the safety position as well. So it's going to be interesting. I think there's a couple of key teams in the NFL who people consider contenders year to year, like the Bengals and the Eagles, who now after today especially really need help at safety. And you and I both know this safety class is a rough scene in the draft. Like, it's not not a lot of great. So I'm curious to see maybe the free agent safety market is inflated because of that. I don't know. But with that, we're going to be done today. We've got an hour and a half. But if, it, if there's any day that justifies an hour and a half show, it is this one. We had plenty to cover. And I feel like we did it in timely enough manner. That knowing our show, we could have absolutely done two and a half hours on the amount of t- material we, we covered. So I consider this a win, JT. Um, And with that, we're going to be done for today. I'm pretty sure we're not doing a show tomorrow. Now, if the Titans go and they trade Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill or go sign somebody crazy and there needs to be an emergency podcast, there will be. It, It will probably be an abbreviated one talking specifically about those moves. But assuming there's not a massive move between now and Wednesday morning, we'll be doing a show Wednesday morning, as usual, first thing, and then a show Friday morning, first thing. Don't know what those are going to be about. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of free agency tidbits to to mention. And then we've got a I've still got that series that I mentioned on Friday with some local media guests that you'll know and love talking about um, going through some of the arguments for what the Titans shouldn't do, should or shouldn't do this offseason that I think you'll like. But I don't know when we're gonna get to that. I'm just I'm mentioning it to not get your hopes up. We may have too much to talk about this week to to get to that yet. Needless to say, we're going to be back, and there's going to be so much to talk about, JT. So while we can't tell you what is on the deck this week, we can tell you you'll want to for sure be there. Make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube as well as wherever you get your good podcasts. Leave a rating, a review, share with friends, all of those good things. For those of you that joined us live, really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for coming in and being with us live. One of the best live shows we've done in terms of uh, folks being here and participating. For those of you that are listening not live, just know you should be following us on social media so that you can watch live and get those notifications and for those of you uh that that are um excited by the nfl offseason make sure to tune in on wednesday and friday morning until then i'm your host easton freeze for producer jt this has been the hot read podcast hopefully nothing crazy happens between now and tomorrow and we'll see you on wednesday until then have a great rest of your week